Hey there, this is Steve Lee with Veritas Catholic Network. We have a special treat on Let Me Be Frank today. Paul Jarzembowski joins Bishop Frank Caggiano to talk about Ash Wednesday and about reaching young people and bringing them deeper into the life of the church. Before we begin, have you downloaded the Veritas Catholic Network app to your phone? The app allows you to listen to Veritas Live, grab any of our podcasts, and more. So if you haven't done it already, go to the Apple App Store, the Google Play Store, or visit www.veritascatholic.com to download the Veritas Catholic Network app and keep Catholic Radio right at your fingertips. All right, welcome back to Let Me Be Frank, everybody. Uh, it is my great pleasure, as always, to introduce Bishop Frank Caggiano. Steve, it's good to see you, and I'm, and I'm delighted that Paul is joining us. Yes. That's right. We have a special guest uh, joining us today. Paul Jarzembowski heads up Youth and Young Adult Ministries at the USCCB as part of the Secretariat of Laity, Marriage, Family Life, and Youth. Paul is the National Coordinator for the United States Investment in World Youth Day, and he oversaw the preparation and implementation of the USCCB engagement with the Synod on Young People in Rome a couple years ago. He also serves on a number of boards of directors and leadership teams for various organizations and initiatives, including the National Federation for Catholic Youth Ministry, the National Catholic Network de Pastoral Juvenil Hispania, the National Advisory Team on Young Adult Ministry, the National Catholic Committee on Scouting, and many more. His impressive resume also includes work with over 300 dioceses, parishes, college campuses, religious communities, webinars, and ministry conferences around the world, and he's currently developing his first book called Hope from the Ashes, which, is, uh, which should be published in 2022. And Excellency, I know you and Paul have worked together at the UCCB. I've known Paul one day less than forever. <laughs> it's been forever we've been working together. <laughs> and I am delighted that you are here. Um, so I and our listeners can learn from your experience, which is, as Steve said, it's just it's so extensive. And quite frankly, I mean, I have learned a great deal from you from the many years we have worked together. So I'm delighted that you're here, Paul. Well, it's a pleasure to be here. And yeah, it's great to have uh, all these opportunities. Uh, Bishop Frank and I have known each other through our work with World Youth Day, through our work at the Bishop's Conference. And um you know, he gets to put up with me uh, when he, when we go out and do projects together. So uh, it's a pleasure to be with you, Bishop. Oh, thank you. Thank you. And of course, this podcast is paybacks. So this is great. <laughs> oh, my friend. So now listen, I have a, a, I'm going to start with a basic question. We hear so much about young people and young adults, and we know that they're different. That's, that's talking almost of apples and oranges, right? But let's focus in on young adults just for a second. Um, how they are disaffiliated, that they're not involved in the life of the church. Um, and we sense that it's a, that it's a major issue. But t talk to us about how big an issue that is, and what does it really mean when we say young adults are disaffiliated from the church? Why don't we start with that? Uh, oh, that's a great question. Um, I like to go on numbers. I mean, there's a lot of anecdotes we can all tell. We all know maybe a a nephew, a son or daughter, a, you know, a friend who may not be active, but um, sometimes just going by the, some of the raw numbers will be helpful. The, the, the extent of it is even amongst people who self-identify as Catholic um, in, their, in their young adult years, so in their 20s or 30s, only about 15% of them uh, normally come on a Sunday. Um, now, of course, uh, the, the numbers are a bit much different now within this pandemic, but on, you know, on average, about 15% of those who self-identify as Catholic um, will be coming on, on a given Sunday. So that's 85% of people who claim Catholicism as their faith um, and, you know, would say to a, a researcher, yeah, I'm Catholic. Um, and 85% of them would say, but I don't go every week. So um, that's, that, that I think right there summarizes a, uh, an extent to that disaffiliation, which I think we all know anecdotally, but those numbers really uh, speak to that. Right. So then these would be, for example, young people who may have gone to Catholic school or have gone to parishes of faith formation, have received perhaps their sacraments, but as they've grown older, Correct. have just decided um, to uh, be active in the church, in a sense, in a, in, a, um, in a unique way, 
right, in, in, in the image of what they think should be or what they would want to do. So it's not like the traditional every Sunday, but some may come once a month, some may come every other right. month, or may come in the holy days, or may come in a fee, like a day like Ash Wednesday. Is that a fair way of putting it? That's a great way of putting it, yeah. 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 The monthly the monthly attendees is a, is a, is another fascinating phenomenon that um, they will re- they may say to someone I am religious about going um, I go every month um, so for them that sense of regularity is uh, is perhaps a little different than perhaps uh, we may right. be accustomed to right mm-hmm. you know and you and I have worked on this for a very long time and um, in in some of the reflections I've offered and I'm going to ask you to reflect on this too um, I've always kind of pointed to the fact that it's there's it isn't so much that young adults are not seeking a relationship with the Lord, but where they have difficulty is, um, despite the normal obstacles in having a spiritual a relationship with the Lord, is that they don't necessarily see as much of a value in having an organized community be part of that search. Is that uh, in a world where, you know, technology allows you to create your own communities and the fact that we're an organized faith, we have organized parishes with people that are very, very different and that practice the faith at times very vibrantly and other times perhaps less so. Question is, do I need that community to find my way to the Lord? Is that also a factor in what young adults kind of struggle with, you think? Yeah, I, I in a sense, um, I, I don't think that there is as much a faith problem as much as there is a, a, a belonging issue, uh, a belonging concern. Um, people don't feel like they belong to any particular community or institution. Um, uh, you know, in the United States, prayer and engagement and belief in God is is incredibly high relative to the amount of participation in religious services in uh, belonging to parishes or other religious you know, groups. Um, so relatively speaking, um, I would say that, that young people especially are very spiritual. And I know it kind of sounds a little trite to say spiritual, but not religious, but there's, there's some truth to it. There is a deep sense of, um, they, they, have a, they feel a connection to the Lord. Um, they just don't feel that connection uh, often through uh, a community um, and uh, a, re- a religious community. And it's not just affecting Catholics either. This is something that um, many other religious groups are experiencing as well. So uh, this is something that evangelicals and mainline Protestants, um, you know, Greek Orthodox, you know, that many of them are experiencing right. um, and in much the same way we are. Right. You know, it, it's, it's, it weighs on my heart a tremendous amount. It always has, but even in recent months, even more so, because as we kind of plot a pastoral strategy to try to arise out of the pandemic with, please God, it's grip listens, lessons, then um, small faith communities, I think, are going to be an essential piece to the renewal of the church, where people may have fallen out of habit to come to Mass, even those who are not young adults. But mm-hmm. young adults, to find a small community that supports them, um, I think is an important piece to any outreach, any pastoral outreach, would you agree, or would you see it in a different way, Paul? I think they're, they, they, they want somebody to know. I think the key word you said there was support. Mm-hmm. Um, they want to know that they're supported, that somebody's got their back. Um, and I think that's, um, that may be what they don't feel in institutional communities that, um, you know, you go to a parish and you sit in the back and, you know, if, if they come that once a month, do they feel they really belong there? Do they feel that anyone is supporting them? They may not, but there might be, as we come out of this pandemic, if they can find places where there is support, I think that's going to be, I think, an element of it. Um, and small communities are certainly one way of doing that. Um, there's probably other ways as well. I think I think there are some that like that kind of small group kind of dynamic. There are others who prefer um, the large group or almost anonymous kind of belonging. Um, you know, there's there's people who, you know, they're, they're the type of people who would probably go to a, a, a stadium filled with, uh, you know, with baseball or football fans, you know. Um, that's not a small community, but they still feel a sense of belonging to a tribe of sorts um, that's almost anonymous. So I think it depends on the individual um, where they will probably cling to. But I think what's, what's, this, what's through it all is, again, that word you used support, that they're supported, that they feel a sense of belonging. You know, it it highlights one of the lessons I learned when we first started working together, 
uh, it's a lesson actually you taught me, and that is there's no one way to do this, right? That when you talk about young adults, they all are not of the same mindset, of the same background, of the same preferences. So we have to look at it in, in almost like a prism, right? That certain things will work with certain groups. And so therefore, it, we can't be a monolith. This is not like one program is going to solve our issue, right? It's, it's Correct. Right? So um, that's something that I struggle with as a bishop because the tendency is always to say, this is the answer. Well, no, it's not. This is not. Many of these will be the answer, right? That's the key thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So now... When I was pastor at St. Dominic's in Brooklyn a thousand years ago when I was young, <laughs> um, Ash Wednesday was the day everybody came to church. Everybody came to church. And we used to joke about it, right? Um, uh, my mother, who was a saint, my mother used to call them AMP Catholics, which is terrible, right? Ashes and palms. If you give something away, they come, which is not, I mean, that's, God bless my mom, but... <laughs> But the truth is, there's something very deeply spiritual about ashes that I think lots of young adults may come who ordinarily would not come to Mass every Sunday like we're describing. Okay, so in your experience, um, talk about Ash Wednesday a bit, talk about its significance religiously, and talk about what would you suggest for our, our listeners uh, who are some pastoral ministers and clergy, how could they use Ash Wednesday as an opportunity to perhaps engage young adults who are literally with them in church? Why don't you break that open for us? I'd be happy to. Uh, again, I go back, I start with the numbers. The one thing that I get very excited about is that that 15% that you're going to see on Sunday, which is not very much, uh, rises to about almost 40 or 50% on Ash Wednesday. Um, it rises even further uh, when you ask those same people, are you going to give up anything for Lent or are you going to fast on uh, Fridays for meat? Um, that number jumps up to 60%. So um, so anywhere between 40, 50, 60% of people uh, who uh, claim Catholicism but may, but may not necessarily be as engaged with the faith are going to be somehow connected on Ash Wednesday. So those anecdotes about the people you'll see, it's true um, across the country. Uh, this is a major uh, moment of return for people, but that's just it. It's a, it's a moment. Uh, these are, you know, these, these momentary experiences. Um, I, for, I think for many young people, and actually people for, uh, really of any age, um, what Ash Wednesday, I think one of the best ways to think about it is like those I voted stickers that you see on election day. Um, when you get an I voted sticker after you vote, there's there's two things you feel. You feel a sense of accomplishment uh, that, you know, I did my civic duty. Um, and then you feel like you belong to like the, like there's there's a sense of you're in the, you're in the group, you're, you're, in, you're, you're in the club, you're, you, you, you're one of the voting Americans and you feel kind of a sense of belonging to that, of, to that civic Americana type of feeling when you vote. And so, and then you, and then the third aspect of it is when you put that I voted sticker and you walk around on election day, it's a great reminder to everybody else like, oh yeah, I get, before I leave work, I totally got to do that. I got to remember, or during my lunch break, I got to remember to do that. Or if you're at school or if you're wherever you're at, that I voted sticker has a great marketing value to it as well. I think ashes somewhat fall in the same category. They give you a sense of, there is that sense of accomplishment, that, that sense that, you know, I was able to, to, to do this. This was a, you know, it's a moderate commitment. I don't do a lot maybe for my faith regularly, but this is something that I feel like I could do. It was a sense of accomplishment. Um, there's also um, a feeling of belonging. Um, I'm, you know, I finally feel like I belong to some group some group, the, the, the Ash group, um, you know, whether that's uh, fellow Christians, fellow Catholics. Um, you know, the other thing, interesting thing about it is that Ash Wednesday is not even a Catholic thing. It's actually, it, 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 it's many mainline denominations of Christianity. So, uh, so there's a certain sense of belonging to that, to that larger sense of, you know, and, and we, would all, we would say as people of faith, you know, you, that, that, that sign of the, literally of the cross, you, that, 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 that's a sign that you belong to Christ, um, whose cross you wear on your forehead or whatever shape it might be. Um, and then it does somewhat draw people in. When, you pe- when people see other people's ashes or in the social media world, 
when we see the posts online of somebody showing off their ash or, uh, you know, posting about that they're going to get ashes or they have received ashes. Um, it's a great sense of reminder. And, uh, oh, yeah, I, I, I should do that. Because um, I think for many, you know, one of the misconceptions I think we have about young people, and you and I have talked about this, is that young people are, like you said, they're very diverse. And one of the things that's very diverse about them is many of them are struggling with a variety of different things. Lent is a time that allows them to slow down and kind of recalibrate renew themselves, rest a little bit, and kind of get rejuvenated. So for there is that attraction, I think, for a generation that somewhat feels, and increasingly more other generations that feel somewhat overwhelmed by life. Um, and, and so I think that's, that's part of the, the story of that. Um, it's backed up by the numbers because there are people who will come who normally wouldn't. Um, and I think a lot of it is really related to there's something special about that time of year um, maybe it's because, you know, especially in northern climates, it's colder, so there's more introspection. Um, it might be New Year's resolution, like, let's try it, like, again, um, maybe this time in February or March, and let's do it better. <laughs> um, so there's a couple, there's a variety of reasons why. So I, that kind of gives you just a little thought about that, that time for many of the young people mm -hmm. and many people in general. You know, those are great insights, Paul. I remember when I was a pastor, we had a, a few days before uh, Ash Wednesday, I had a, a, a little staff meeting, and we got into this huge discussion about whether or not we would impart ashes to infants. And I felt very strongly that the answer to that is yes. And the reason is, is because it is such a primordial experience, Yeah. right? Who are we, where are we going, and how are we getting there are the three questions that animate every human heart. And wherever we're going, ultimately, is going to go through the mystery of death. And the reason I mention it now in our conversation is because most of the young adults who were the parents who brought up their, their infants were deeply moved by the ashes that were sprinkled on their, the crown of their head, right? Mm -hmm. uh, as a la Romana, which is done in Rome. That's how ashes are imported in Rome. They're not imported on the forehead. They are sprinkled on, your, on, the, on the crown of your head. Mm -hmm. and, and because it got them to think how much they love this child, how much this child is bone of their bone, flesh of their flesh, how they lay down their life to make sure this child, and yet there's a mystery beyond their ability to control for this child, but, they, but the Lord can. The Lord claims this child. And these are young adults because, again, one of the subgroups are the young married couples in our, in, in our church who are trying to be parents in this world that makes it ever more difficult to do that. So, yeah, I, it, it makes perfect sense to me what you had said before. It's a reset button. And what, what animates my reflection and my prayer in Lent is that Lent invites us to get rid of the superficial you get right to the heart of the matter, right? So yeah, it's very basic. Yeah, it's very basic. And I think to your point, and perhaps you would disagree with this. So let me just say it, and then I, you know, please, you know, correct me. But not only is life overwhelming, but there's a lot of superficiality because there's so much of it. There's so much information. There's so much data. There's so much stimuli. There's so much of everything that you can't tell the trees from the forest. A lot of times, you're struggling just to keep up. So it kind of like says, oh, set all that aside and let's get to the base of things. Mm -hmm. There's something really attractive to that, I think. Would you agree? It's, I would, yeah. I think that there's a, there's a desire in, in Lent. I, one of the things we do in Lent is we get down to our basics, too. I, I mean, I love the fact that many of our churches um, literally are stripped bare. You know, we don't have much ornamentation in Lent. And there's, some, there's a great symbolicness to that, to the, to the fact that, like, there's, there's no extra frills here. And that kind of represents this, like, this, this return to the simplicity. Um, and then even in Lent, we seem to draw our attention closer to, to, to Jesus, to the story of Jesus of Nazareth, his, his experience in the desert, his experience with the disciples, his experience crying before the tomb of Lazarus, very human moments of Jesus that we read during Lent. We follow the life of Christ. We get down to the basics of our faith, which is Jesus Christ. And I think that there's an attractability to that, that kind of, again, we strip away all the, again, not saying that all the other parts of our church are 
bad or anything, but just that sometimes bringing it down to what is the core principle? Our core principle is following this person of Jesus who also suffered, who also struggled. And I think that there's that basic, you know, and ashes themselves are very... They're very basic thing. They're the dirt, um, you know, that we walk on. There, it's very primal. I mean, we and we've been doing these rituals since oh, yeah. before mm-hmm. the Christianity. I mean, this is something that they did in in in, in Egypt and in Jerusalem, and you know, uh, they. I, I guess in the Iliad, I think if you read it, uh, Achilles pushes pours ash on his forehead when he's mourning the death of his friend who had died in the you know one of the Tro- in the Trojan War. So this is like this is very it goes back so far because of that notion of getting back to these kind of the, the basic elemental things. Right. And of course the origin of the ashes we use is quite powerful, right? They are the burnt remains of palms that were blessed the year before. And I often remind young people in particular that um, it was the privilege of Caesar and his delegate to be received by having palms and branches laid in the street so that the soles of their feet did not touch the ground. It was a sign of royal privilege. It was the sign of earthly authority. And Jesus was accorded that coming into Jerusalem because they had the mistaken idea this was the new king to liberate, and then they realized that the kingship he offered (laughs) was nothing of the sort. So we Mm -hmm. burn those palms to remind people what it is, what is the gateway to real glory. And I think when you put that starkly in front of young people, particularly young adults, who are entering into the world and they realize its shortcomings, something in their heart says, this can't be all. This can't, the promises we are being given can't be my ultimate happiness. And, and I think to your point, it's so primordial. Ashes says it without saying it. It just is there, right? It's, yeah, it's a tremendous gift. Now, of course, we're gonna go on break in just a few minutes. When we come back, I want you to talk to us about COVID-19 and ashes because this Ash Wednesday is going to be different from, mm-hmm. from Ash Wednesdays in the past. And, um, and how, do we, how, how do we manage that and how do we perhaps even use it as an opportunity to engage young adults in a new way? So um, while, we're, while we have our break, why don't you give that some thought? <laughs> and then when we come back, we could start with that. How's that sound, Paul? Sounds fantastic. Right. Yeah. So you're listening to Let Me Be Frank on the Veritas Catholic Network. Bishop Caggiano has a special guest, Paul Jozembowski, with the Youth and Young Adult Ministries at the USCCB. We will be right back. Catholic Radio works, and now we have it here in Connecticut and New York. It's been seen around the country that there's no better tool for evangelization. Where there's Catholic Radio, the folks who listen deepen their faith. Families are strengthened, parishes and communities flourish. So, let people know you're listening to Veritas, tell your friends to tune in, and let's make an impact here for Jesus and His Church. This is Steve Lee for Veritas Catholic Network. All right, welcome back to Let Me Be Frank with Bishop Frank Caggiano. On today's show, we've got a special guest, Paul Jarzembowski with Youth and Young Adult Ministries at the USCCB. He's here speaking with the bishop about young people, and we're about to talk about Ash Wednesday. Yes, and, and the real question is how this year with COVID-19, with the coronavirus pandemic, is how it is going to slightly change the practice um, of what we normally do. So uh, just, uh, Paul, allow me just to contextualize it. Here in, in the Diocese sure. of Bridgeport, we met to discuss how we can impart ashes to people. And of course, if you were to impart ashes literally on a person's forehead and follow on with the next person's forehead like we normally would do, all right, there is a risk of cross-transmission, right, of the virus. So we can't do that. So we are going to use an intermediary to impart ashes. And just like I do when I confirm, I use a cotton ball that's sterile for individual use. Most of the pastors of the diocese are going to be using either a cotton ball or a Q-tip 
to be placed into ashes and asher persons so that there's no cross-contamination. So I think the symbolism is still very powerfully there, but there's that safety piece to make sure that people remain safe, right? Because we want them to come. So uh, talk about young adults, COVID-19 and Ash Wednesday. How does that change the equation, Paul, in any way? What do you think? Well, one thing is that ashes have been with us since the since, since you know before Jesus. So ashes, the notion of of, of covering yourself with ashes, signing yourself, you know, being being having the ashes imposed is something that we it survived plagues and wars and reformations and past pandemics. So um, I think that there will still be a desire to reconnect with ashes. Um, I think there will be. Um, so I think there, that we will still see a number of people come. Now, of course, because of this reality we're living in, in this unprecedented time of being away from our communities for so long, they'll probably alter it a little. But I still think there'll be a desire because, again, this is this this time of year, this this winter time when you know we draw a little inward. Um, there's there's going to people are going to be saying I need to kind of I need to do something different or looking forward past the pandemic. What am I going to do? And Lent in a way is going to be a great, you know, it's, it's, it's like spring training in a way Lent will be, you know, it's like, what am I going to do for when I get out? Uh, when we finally move into this new normal, as they would say, uh, past the pandemic and to kind of start, start shedding ourselves of what has been holding us back during this. So, um, you know, I mean, it, I'm sure just as many Lent's do, this will be a time for, for great weight loss because I'm sure some of us have been a little more sedentary or haven't gotten out as much because of this. So there might be a desire to perhaps lose weight like like in most Lent. Um, but I think there might be a, a, a looking forward. This will be, I think, a, a Lent that looks with an eye towards that. But I think people will come. Um, I, so that's one thing, yeah. I would, say, I would agree. And I, I also think it's going to alter a bit of our liturgical practice because if we were to only give out ashes during either the celebration of the word or the celebration of mass, we would severely mm-hmm. limit the amount of people who can receive ashes since our capacities are so restricted. So, right. um, so many of our churches will allow the imparting of ash simply as a, um, as a ritual act outside of any celebration and give the celebration to the person to be able to take home, or maybe with their family, you know, pray it, mm-hmm. so that we can give it, so people can experience that that moment of encounter, right? Which it really is, is a moment of encounter. Um, I, one of the things I think I, w- I would like to pick your brain about is how do we invite young adults in particular, or young people too, for that matter, yeah. to connect the, the needs that have been generated by the pandemic and ask them to address those needs as their Lenten penance. So in other words, the homeless, the hungry, those who are isolated, those who need to be shopped for food, or as young adults, to, to, to be able to volunteer in these shelters where people in growing numbers are going. Um, would you recommend that we you know, give that sort of guidance to say to our young adults who are able-bodied, they're not, in, many of them are not in the category of being, you know, um, medically challenged so that they cannot go out into the world with precaution. Can we say to them, you know, Lent, yeah, we could lose weight, we all could do that, I certainly could do that. But the, but the point is, there's real need in charity. Would you sacrifice your time to, you know, peel away some of the effects of this terrible pandemic. What do you think about something like that? I think it's fantastic. Um, I, one of the things that we see is that because the numbers are so high for people who like to fast and you know give up things or do good positive things for Lent, like that's, a, that's, that's something that many young people um, get behind. In fact, we even see, it's interesting uh, in the statistical uh, look at it, that actually young people actually end up Sometimes giving up things at more at a higher rate than those who are older than them. Like young people love the challenge almost of being able to do something to better the world, um, to make a difference. And Lent gives them tools. I would, I think this would be a great, you know, if on Ash Wednesday, perhaps one suggestion is that 
whether it's whether it's at a service, whether it's at a mass, whether it's in the parking lot, uh, however the ashes are being distributed in, in a community. There is, of course, the the writing ritual of the imposition. But if if possible, maybe take a, one extra moment to either make sure that every young adult gets like a piece of paper that gives them some opportunities, what they could do with your community during Lent. Like here's some things if you want to, you know, especially those social engagement projects like you mentioned, um, you know, engaging with the poor. So perhaps even making sure they, they get something. Um, so not only do they get the ashes, but maybe they get a piece of paper that says to them, or, you know, maybe if, if you do have a way um, with like, parish, like if you're registering for your seat at your church, you might get their email or their name uh, in their in your parish database as they're registering for a mass. Make sure you follow up with them during Lent and say, you know, with an email or a message of some sort and say, you know, during Lent, if you'd like to help, you know, if you'd like to do this, here are some opportunities to challenge yourself. Uh, I, I think that we can't let that opportunity pass by because Many young people will be giving us a moment on Ashwith, even if they don't come that often and they do drive by or come by or register for a mass or a service on Ash Wednesday. They're giving us a moment. So can we take that moment and stretch it just a little bit more and say, you know, we'd like to invite you. Um, again, not with a, you know, obviously, the, the whether it's this year or any year, I think it's important that we never make the, the young adult or the person, the visitor, the newcomer, ever feel like, you know, don't, no, no sense reminding them of something they know already. I don't go that often. So no need to kind of keep harping it <laughs> a little bit, but certainly greet them with a sense of welcome and say, thank you. know, it's great to see you. Um, I'd like to give you an opportunity, um, to, uh, to help us out, um, with your gifts. And I think the things that you mentioned there during this pandemic, how can we aid others in the community? Um, and young adults are, 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 ready to, 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 to do that. Um, they're, they're up for the challenge. Um, challenge and it's, the, the, the limited commitment of, of Lent, the, the 40 day challenge in a way, uh, very fits very in, in with the rest of popular culture in some respects, you know, you have, you know, uh, 60 days to this or three weeks to this, or, you know, five weeks to that. You've got a couple of these multi-day or multi-week challenges that are popular in culture, no matter what meatless Mondays is not even a, it's not even a religious thing. It's a, uh, it's a, it's a pop culture thing that has really taken off for people to be aware of their their uh, eating habits on Mondays and to, to, to go vegan or to go to, to, to be vegetarian on Mondays, meatless Mondays. So the fact that they would do this kind of challenge for Lent and and put their put it to good work, not just losing weight, but to put do something. I think I think young people especially will be um, ready for that, and I think that's a, that's an opportunity we can give them. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, one of the things that I am imagining with the pastors of the diocese here is what I call an ambassador ministry. You know, 2 Corinthians 5, Paul speaks of us as ambassadors of Christ. Mm -hmm. and, and, and that really is invitational ministry, that when, the, when our restrictions begin to lessen, um, who is going to go out and perhaps go to the diner and meet a few people and talk about engagement with the church or pick up a phone and say, we miss you, you're not around, is there anything we could do for you? I, I have always believed that young adults have the passion and the energy to do that. And if we invite them and walk with them, they will invite others to do the same journey. And so what I'm really saying is, I think young adults, engaging young adults personally, right, and, and in, a, in a very sustained accompaniment, remember, we were in the Synod of Youth together, Paul and I were at the Synod mm -hmm. of Youth together in Rome, then they will in time do it for others. And that's the recipe for the renewal of the church in the end. What are your thoughts about something like that, Paul? Well, I think it's wonderful that on Ash Wednesday, the reading you just mentioned is the second reading every year. Mm -hmm. um, you know, Paul calls us to to, to put on it, to, 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 to be ambassadors for Christ. Uh, I think the other thing that I, I would nuance it a little bit or, or add, some, add a component to what you're, what you're recommending. Please. I think it's important also as we are ambassadors that we're not just ambassadoring just to get them to come to church. I think that's certainly something we, we, we do want to see them come back to church. But part of it is just to simply find out what's going on in their lives. Mm -hmm. Um, 
because if they see that you're coming and then being an ambassador, you know, I mean, it's very similar to like a Jehovah's Witness standing at your door and saying, you know, why aren't you, you know, <laughs> aren't you saved? Um, so I think it's more than, I think, I think the first, first thing to do is just to sit there and say, tell me your story. What's going on in your life? Where, you know, what is it? And, and, and in the course of learning their story, we will start to learn what holds them back from a community of feeling like they belong somewhere. Um, because again, like we started, the many young adults reasons for not coming to church is not often for religious reasons. It's simply that they, they didn't, they never felt a sense of belonging. They never felt like anyone cared about their lives. So I think one of the best things we can do as ambassadors is just simply to, to, to hear their story. What is it they're struggling with? Um, and ask them, what do you do to help with that? Like, where do you go? Um, you know, whatever their issue, if it's a health issue, if it's a, it's a work issue. If it's um, if it's an emotional, a mental health issue, what is that? What is the th- what are the things that they're wrestling with in life right now? Um, and I think Lent is a great opportunity because Lent can be you know for the next forty days after Ash Wednesday, they're going to have the um, you know Lent gives us a chance to kind of renew and to kind of reshape and rethink about what what's holding us back and what's, what's making, what's, what's giving us a hard time, you know, and laying those cares on the Lord. Um, Lent is a great time to do that. So I think that would be the other aspect is just learning their story. Um, and again, not just their faith story, their life story. And then as a person of faith through that relationship, through that accompaniment, then find opportunities to invite them to, first of all, to, to, to connect with you, 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 they belong now, like they would feel a sense of belonging from you as an ambassador. And then you can slowly introduce them to other people where they can also feel a sense of belonging that they, that, that someone cares about them. That makes a lot of sense. That's a great point. So let me ask you your, your new book, hope from the ashes. Is it about what we're talking about today? Is it, is yeah. it out of the Ash Wednesday experience? It is. Ash Wednesday for me. Oh well, let me tell you, Ash Wednesday for me is, and 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 bless me, Father, for this is going to sound a little uh, sound a little weird, but Ash Wednesday is one of the one of the happiest days of my year. I am so excited on Ash Wednesday. It's the most odd day to feel excited because it's often a day where we draw inward and we're um, <laughs> we think in those uh, you know withdrawn type of uh, emotions. But for me, I am. I love, I get so excited because all of these people who we don't normally see have given us a moment of their time. So my book is really just, first of all, to, to help people become aware of who's there, who, who are the people that are coming, why are they there? Um, I think sometimes we don't even pay attention to the phenomenon. I mean, we, we know that there's a lot of people there, but do we really stop and think about what their story is? So the book is going to help us kind of look through some practical suggestions as to what you can do before, um, before Lent, during Lent, or during Ash Wednesday in Lent, and then what can we do beyond that? What can we do to keep that Lenten spirit going? I know it sounds weird to keep Lenten spirit going beyond Lent, because we often think, no, we, we shed Lent and we move to Easter, but there's something really special that the Church does well in Lent that I, that, that, that I would like to keep us going on throughout the rest of the year. So my book will kind of give some practical suggestions to parishes, to Catholic leaders, as to what they can do. Um, because everyone can do it, whether it's a, whether they're a parent, um, whether they are uh, a fellow young adult, whether they are working for the church, they're on their parish council, or maybe they just go to church. They're one of the fifteen percent, perhaps, or the twenty percent who go on a regular basis, and they always have been. Um, and they simply just they, they love Jesus, they love the community, the church, and they want to know why others may not feel as connected. And so that this would be for them, and some ideas as to what they can do. And it really, it could boil down to, I'll give one little bit away. Some of the easiest things we can do, and it might be a little challenging this Ash Wednesday because of our face masks, although I think, I think you can still do it, is to simply look, like to not sh- turn your glare away from people you don't know on Ash Wednesday. If you are in the pew and you see somebody you don't know, smile at them. Make them like just, you know, if you can, again, we, we, we're within restri- some guidelines this year, but when we, if, if there is the possibility, just simply introducing oneself on Ash Wednesday, 
say, it's great to see you, um, you know, and through that mask, people can see you're smiling. Um, because I think a lot of times people who aren't familiar with our customs will go thinking that everyone's looking at them with suspicion and anger and distrust. And so they're a little, they, they walk in there kind of knowing they're in territory they're not familiar with. So to make them feel at ease, that's just like a very simple thing that any Catholic, whether you're, you, you're, you know, the music director or whether or not you just simply are a parishioner who just loves, loves the Lord and loves to come to church. Mm-hmm. So either way, mm-hmm. and no matter what your connection is, you, you can still make a big right. deal that day. So that's, that's what the book's going to kind of give some ideas as to what to do. That's great. And it will uh, be available before next Ash Wednesday, right? You think? We're going to see. Depends how fast I write this year. Uh, <laughs> cracking. Come on, we need this book. <laughs> In the meantime, I can be with you here to talk about it. But uh, yeah, yeah. Next year, hopefully, it'll be out. So you know, may I just uh, draw a, a personal uh, vignette from what you just said? You know, being a diocesan bishop, I have had the the great privilege of being invited into many people's homes before the pandemic. And, you know, I being somewhat of an introvert, which is hard to believe, for, <laughs> many people find it hard to believe, but I am by personality an introvert. So um, to be invited into someone's home, I always go with apprehension because, you know, I, I'm not exactly sure uh, what reception I'm going to get. I'm not exactly sure right. what they presume in their head I'm going to be asking. It's, I'm not even sure what the setup is. And it's the hospitality. It's just what you say. It's the little things that immediately can put you at ease, put me at ease, mm-hmm. when you know it's genuine, a genuine welcome, regardless of what comes after. So if a person's been away from church, it's the same dynamic, isn't it? Yep. Exactly. Yeah, they're, they're afraid. Right? They're, they're, they're just as afraid of us as we are. I guess there is oftentimes we're suspicious or maybe even get a little upset because they took our favorite parking spot or pew. But um, yeah, but if, but, but if they, if they, if we can put them at ease, man, that will go a long way because they're already feeling a little weird. Absolutely. All right. So now before we end our conversation, which has been tremendous, right? Um, I just want you to ask one question for the sake of our listeners who have all the terminology but don't quite understand what it means, and I am among those sometimes because I get confused. But we talk about Gen X, Gen Z, millennials. Well, could you just give us like the one-minute schema? What are all those categories referred to? <laughs> sure. You know, there's, there's like 15, 20-year blocks of time that we've divided people into. They're a little artificial, but um, basically... If you hear uh, Gen X or baby boomers, those are your over 40 group. Um, so baby boomers and Gen X are over 40. Millennials are in their 20s and 30s. And then the Gen Z are people who are, um, you know, in their lower 20s in college, even in high school. So um, and then below them, uh, the children of today are called the alphas. And so they keep just naming different generations because what happens is as we grow, we can, there's there's little elements of life that change for us that make us just a little bit different than the people who came before us. Um, so um, that's really all those generations are. They're constructs to just describe how things are changing and that this generation's got these norms and these trends. So that's all that is. Got it. Hey, Paul, I have a question. So as you're talking about those different generations, um, do we need to approach them differently? Do we need to approach millennials differently than Gen Z, differently than Alpha? Yeah, I would say so. One of the things that we've seen, like I can give you an example. Um, gender, the millennials were often, you approach them in groups, you were just small groups. Um, they didn't like large groups, um, but small groups. Um, the Gen Z, the ones in college and even younger, are much more individualized. Um, and so uh, approaching them one by one uh, is a lot more, now it does mean a lot more work because we have to do a lot more very specific outreach um, that you may not have had done with millennials and even before that with boomers or Gen Xers. So um, so that is something that is different in the way you would approach, for instance, um, a college student or a high school student is very one-on-one oftentimes. Now again, there's always exceptions to every rule, so I just want to put that caveat on there. But by and large, um, the Gen Zers are, are, you know, that that personalized, individualized accompaniment um, is much more of a thing. Whereas perhaps in an older group, you may be able to, to to greet them in a group of three or four. 
um, and maybe even older, you could do a whole, you know, you could make it like, for instance, if you make a pulpit announcement to all of these people, baby boomers, they get that. They're like, yep. Oh, they just said all people who are married. Okay. That, that means me. Whereas if you do that generalized announcement, a millennial will definitely not feel that. And, and, and the Gen Z for sure will not feel that, uh, feel that connection or be that invitation. So we have to do a lot more individualized invitations for especially younger groups. Whether that will change over time, we don't know, but that is one thing we've noticed. Makes sense. Okay, let's take one more break. You're listening to Let Me Be Frank, and Bishop Frank Caggiano is speaking with Paul Jarzembowski, who runs Youth and Young Adult Ministries at the USCCB. We're going to take a break and answer a listener question when we come back. Why do we need Catholic radio? Because not everybody's sitting in front of a computer or watching their television set at home. How about when driving to work? How about while at work at your desk? Catholic Radio is there for you. I may be a Catholic priest, but I'm still a student of the faith. And Catholic Radio helps supply good material, whether it be a question and answer format show, whether it be a show itself on doctrine or theology. I myself, as a priest, am always learning. Welcome back to Let Me Be Frank with Bishop Frank Caggiano. His Excellency has been speaking today with Paul Jezembowski with Youth and Young Adult Ministries at the USCCB. It's time, it's the time of the show, Excellency, where we answer a listener question. And we got one in that actually fits right in with uh, the mm-hmm. whole subject of, of today's show. So here it is. Jesus said, when praying, we should go to an inner room where nobody can see us. And when mm-hmm. fasting, we should carry ourselves normally and not look like we are suffering. Mm-hmm. Does that mean we should keep our ashes to ourselves and not post ash tags or selfies with ashes? Should we be more private about Ash Wednesday? Right. That's First of all, whoever came up with the question is extremely insightful because there is in the very liturgy itself the reading from from the gospel that says exactly that so so we're making a public display when the lord is telling us to be much more introspective so i mean that's extraordinarily insightful having said that i think the key the hermeneutic to figure out what what is being done is the connection between the exterior and the interior that is, the Lord is not criticizing exterior observance for its own sake, but because it is disconnected from the inner room. So it's hypocritical, and that is what he's objecting to. But in fact, if, the, if we receive ashes, just like Paul has said so beautifully in, in this podcast, as a moment of this primordial invitation to go deep within ourselves, to discover the truth of who we are before the Lord who then saves us. If we have done that, then the exterior uh, display of ashes is not hypocritical. It's a statement of who I am. It's no different than when I look into your face, Steve, right here today. I am seeing Steve, right? The ashes on your forehead is seeing Steve if Steve is truly in touch with what they mean. And I will know right away if you do or don't, right? That's the great mystery of an integrity of life. So the, the answer to the question is dependent on the person who is actually the motivation of the person. And if you're, if you're, if you're prouncing around kind of like, you know, isn't this fun? And, and with no moment of introspection or going, then of course I would think, yeah, you have to avoid that at all costs. But if you have done what the Lord asks, Uh, Don't be afraid to show it because, quite frankly, if you go into the inner room, develop this relationship with the Lord, you will act a certain way that you're not going to hide. The ashes are no different. Does that make sense? Yeah, makes total sense. Yep, exactly. Right. I might also, um, specifically to the second part of that question regarding the the social media engagement, you know, and again, one has to just be very discerning how one engages on social media uh, with that. If it's meant to, to again, show off that you've done something and you're somehow uh, holier than anyone else because you got it, then yeah, that's certainly something we want to avoid. But if you're doing it because there's a sense of wanting to be part of, of again, that notion of belonging, um, the, the notion of feeling like you, you, you now have a family that you'd like to share that family. I mean, when, you know, it's the same thing like when you share, when you gather for your, with your family at Christmas or at the holidays or any other time of year, you sometimes post that online because you're, you're, you're just so overjoyed to be part of that family. And you'd like to share that if that's the motivation to be, you know, that you, you belong something that can have great, great 
impact, and especially impact on people who, it's, again, it's a reminder to someone maybe who's scrolling through their, their social media feed and going, oh, yeah, it's Ash Wednesday. Um, and that might motivate them. That might encourage them to grow themselves. So in a way, there's a sense of evangelization that takes place. Again, you know, again, doing it for doing it to kind of remind uh, or to, to, to help others know where you feel a sense of belonging. Maybe that's just the way you might hashtag quote unquote this year would be, you know, inviting people to say, you know, this is what, this is where I feel, I feel like I belong. I feel special. I feel loved in this community. Um, and I hope you find it too. So, you know, that might be a, a way you could post on social media about it without making it feel like you're showing off. That's a great point. May I just have one public service announcement? Okay. When we talk about social media and posting, um, who all of our listeners, please do not post a picture of your vaccine card because there's great celebration. Many people feel a great jubilation that they were vaccinated and they put it online, but there is enough information on that card for your identity to be stolen ah. with your birth date and your name, your full name. So I think people should be very prudent not to do that because they will open themselves up to possibly tremendous harm uh, again, it's all about discerning. Yes. Right? Discerning. Very good. Very good. If you have questions for Bishop Frank, uh, you can send them in to questions at veritascatholic.com. Bishop Frank Caggiano is on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. So is Veritas Catholic Network. Paul, it was so great having you on with us today. Where can people go to find out more about uh, the USCCB Office of Youth and Young Adult Ministry? Well, they can go to usccb.org. Um, and then uh, they can just, in the search there, just look for youth, look for young adults, look for uh, World Youth Day. Um, so they just all they do is go to usccb.org and search for that. Um, and then on social media, um, the USCCB's Facebook and Twitter and Instagram uh, is also great ways to connect and uh, you know, find out a lot of great things about what we're doing. Great. Great. It was, it was great to be with you, Paul. It's always wonderful to be with you, Bishop Frank. We've, uh, I thank you for your all that you do uh, to engage uh, these audiences as well. So thank you. You're more, you're more than welcome. Excellency, would you please give us your blessing? Absolutely. In the name of the Father, of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Heavenly Father, you invite us into the mystery of the ashes, the ashes of our sinfulness, the ashes of our mortal life, as a hopeful reminder of the offer of salvation that comes in the death and resurrection of your Son. May this Lent be a time of renewal, rest, prayer, and peace to our hearts as we seek to do your holy will. And may the blessing of Almighty God, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit come upon you and remain with you forever. Amen. 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 We'll be back on Ash Wednesday next week. Great. Okay. All the best to you, Paul. God bless. Thank you.